Welcome to the game two post game show. It's the buds here to talk about the buds, the boys, the absolute beauties tonight. Because let me tell you, they came up with a big W, big W for JT. We all know that was for JT. And they, they pulled it out in a big way. And fuck, I'm excited about it. What what an absolute beauty, eh? Oh, man. They they did exactly what we wanted them to. And it was, it was like I said to you earlier today, like that game we got from the Habs the other night, that was the best they got. That's the best the Habs got. That's the best they're going to throw at us. And that wasn't even close. That game one was not even close to the best that we can throw at them. And tonight was a huge step in the right direction. I mean, definitely a statement game. I mean, you come out, you went 5-1. Like I mean, that 4-1. I was empty that there. Let's it counts. I know, but like it's it come on. It was a statement game before the empty netter. Agreed. Agreed. It was awesome. I love kicking the shit of the abs. <laughs> I love and it. You know, you know what? They had us worried there for a minute with the Habs scoring <laughs> first. But they then Vincent Spets decided to, uh, you know, hop off the bench and fucking snipe a beauty. Did he ever? What, what an absolute beauty this guy is. He's all of a sudden like our playoff gem. Apparently, this two, this two years in a row, man. Apparently, he's he, just Leafs legend Jason Spezza. <laughs> <laughs> no, P- Leafs playoff legend <laughs> Jason Spezza. Yeah, better than all the Sen Spezza ever. <laughs> I mean, we did win pretty much all those series. So, <laughs> you know, maybe deep down he had a, an extra gear, but he was saving it for the buds. The boys, the beauties, the buds, the buds. It was just, it was just so nice to see the boys like show up. The refs actually call penalties, which was weird. Although, although the penalty on Hyman was hot garbage. Oh yeah. That was an absolute joke. Hot fucking trash. Like that was the least. Those those the those at least penalty type play that I've seen in this entire playoffs across all the games we've watched, and it got called as a like like how he got called for holding when the replay shows him reaching out with the stick which he's holding his he's holding his stick in his hand and he's reaching around a guy with said stick in his hand. How can you hold someone? When you're holding a stick. Well, and that's I don't the other it. the other weird thing about that whole penalty was it was his it, like it was his left hand, and the guy was on his left side, and he was reach he's a right-handed shot, so he's reaching with his left hand with his stick in his hand, but he, he was trying to poke check him. Like he at no point did he wrap him in any way, and he actually made an effort to avoid getting a penalty by not wrapping him. So that, yeah, that was a confusing one, to say the least. It didn't make any sense. Didn't make any sense. I was so confused. But the penalty kill came through again, and I'd love to see it. They've been good. They've been real good, real good. 
And while the power play have been struggling, the power the penalty kill has been getting better and better and well, better. And tonight, the penalty kill stood on his head again. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, the least power play, you know, remembered to shoot the fucking puck. It was great. Crazy. What a crazy concept. <laughs> you shoot the puck and the puck goes in the net. Weird how that works. It's almost as if we've been saying on the buds for fucking a month. Holy. No kidding. And you know what? <laughs> what I found so interesting about the start of this game, and um, you know, I, I said this to you earlier, but I, I feel like I'm really seeing eye to eye with uh, the Maple Leafs beat reporter, Chris Chilton, because I heard her talking on Leafs lunch with Andy Petrillo, and it's almost word for word what I said in the last episode where she the way she described it was it felt like Keith had a bit of overthinking going on as far as last game because you had that line of of Kerfoot, Engvall and McKayev playing so well down the stretch to end off the season and you know Engvall was playing out of his mind scoring goals left right and center and then the playoffs roll around and Riley Nash becomes available and all of a sudden there's no salary cap issues and you throw in Riley Nash where it's like, I get it. You want to see what you have in that player, but at the same time, should you really break up a good thing going into playoffs and let a guy's Maple Maple Leafs debut be in the playoffs? I, I, I think that's what bugs me the most is like, it's nothing against Riley Nash at all. I think he was put in a really tough spot. To, he was put in a position to fail. I mean, really, he, it, he didn't know any of the Leaf systems, and how could he? Well, here's the weird part, right? Is that like, let's say the weirdest thing happened, and we were playing the Jets in this first first round instead of the Habs. I think it would make a lot of sense to have Riley Nash in the lineup. Just throw him out there against Mark Shifley every single shift. In that shutdown role, but exactly, but thing. but the Habs don't have that guy, yeah, and so it doesn't make sense. Like he's literally there to shut down the best player on the other team, so that your best player could go out against the shittier competition and light them up. But the Habs are generally shitty; they don't have fucking top end <laughs> players. Like their best guy is fucking Nick Suzuki. I'm sorry, but he's not. He's not even in the same league. Well, I guess he is insanely. He's not in the same fucking echelon as, you know, John Tavares or, you know, Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl or Mark Shifley or whatever. Like Austin Matthews. Like, Nate, Nate McKinnon. Maybe like, he's, yeah. he just, he's just <laughs> not those in the that players league. on another level, right? He's not in that league. And like those are the types of guys where you employ a Riley Nash to shut them down because you have to, otherwise they'll tear you up. You don't have that situation with the Montreal Canadiens. They are a you know, you have to do it as by committee. They are a team that has to do it by committee and a shutdown line doesn't work against a team that's doing it by committee. Cause you're not shutting down shit. You're just another line. Yeah. And that's the thing. Uh, another bone that I had to pick here. And th- uh, this is probably the most mad I've ever been with Sheldon Keefe. And it's specifically because of Chucky, because Chucky was playing so well, coming and coming into the playoffs and he's finally showing some resurgence and now you're going up against the team that drafted this guy 
you've got to you've got to recognize that there's a fire in this guy's belly to get back at this team that didn't give him a fair chance that didn't believe in him to be the player that he is today. And you know normally Keith's really good with these kind of things, right? Like he's he's usually a player's coach like that gives them that opportunity, but this seemed like just one of those times where yeah, I, and that's where I'm referencing back to Kristen Shilton, where he overthought it and, you know, thought he was making a smart decision going with Riley Nash. But you left some really big variables as far as playoff goes, offensive variables at that. You left them in the press box and they're not going to do shit for you there. So I, I think tonight he realizes a mistake. He took Riley Nash out of the, the lineup and inserted both Chucky and Engvall. Obviously, with the Tavares injury, at least one of those guys was going in anyway, but to insert both of them kind of shows that Keith recognized where he went wrong last game, which is great to see because that, that that's the thing. It's fine if you make those mistakes as a coach. It's going to happen. You have a hunch, you go with it, you think, okay, maybe this is the guy tonight. It happens. It's a, it's a hard job. It's one of the hardest jobs in the world. And you're allowed to be wrong. Like it's nobody's got a crystal ball. Nobody knows what's going to happen in that game. But what I want to focus on is how you respond to that initial mistake. So he recognizes mistake and putting in Riley Nash, putting in a cold Riley Nash who hasn't played in forever, who doesn't really know the systems. When you had guys who do know the system sitting on the sidelines who are good players in their own right. So it was, it was fantastic to see him recognize that mistake make the change, take out Riley Nash, throw in Engvall and Chucky, and look what the, the result was. I thought, I thought both of those players had excellent games. They were impact players. They made stuff happen. They showed some grit. Engvall especially. I thought Engvall had a really good game. He was buzzing out there. And that that's the thing. Like This is the fucking Stanley Cup playoffs, as my background says. So <laughs> it's always the you know, the, the players that you never expect to make a difference. Those are the ones that usually do. Right. So those depth guys that the, the Chuckies and the Angvals of the world, those are the guys who you really need to lean on for an offensive spark. When the big boys are being attacked and abused because they will be the, obviously they will be like, were they ever, they always will be that that's just coaching because you're playing the same team over and over and over again. Their whole game plan is shut down Matthews and Marner. So you need guys beyond Matthews and Marner to step up and make a difference. And I thought thought tonight was a perfect example of that. And it started off with Spezza with an absolute beauty of a snipe. Yeah. I mean, that was vintage Spets. but to, to shift into the second goal where, you know, the Leafs really started to, to kind of find their groove because like, Sure, we got the two power play goals, but we already had the lead at that point. And a lot of this, a lot of this goal has to go to Justin Hall. Yeah, absolutely. Like that smart, was- smart breakout pass makes the right decision to jump into the play, doesn't try to score, but doesn't miss the net. And this he- is something that I've been saying for months. He did that perfectly. I know, like- but I, but I mean, you know, I've been saying this for months. That is not just shooting the puck. It's hitting the fucking net. And he purposefully shot it at Price's pad for a rebound, knowing that Matthews is with him. 
bing, bang, boom, easy goal for Maddie. Exactly. It's not hockey is not that hard. It is a very simple game with difficult intricacies. Play the game simple. And when you're on a two-on-one like that, shoot for a fucking pass. Well, that that's the thing. I think Hall did exactly what Maddie wanted him to do there. Oh, yeah. Because, because I mean, Maddie was tell by Maddie's reaction. Maddie was buzzing down the middle and he saw all this pressure coming to him. He's like, okay, I got to dish it. Who's wide open? Who's on my wing? Justin Hall is right there. Of course, he's going to dish it to him. What does Hall do? He brings it a little, a little closer to the middle, notices that everybody's kind of going towards Matthews. So he has the freedom to take that shot, but realizes that Price is focused in on him. Like, and we're talking about carry, playoff carry Price here. Like, you're not going to score on him head on. You're just not. Even Austin Matthews isn't. We've realized that. So what does he do? He makes the perfect play. Keeps it low, puts it right on his pad and his far side pad so that 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 rebound goes right into the slot. And he sees that even though Matthews has all these guys on him, he's still driving the net. He's, he's driving the net. And where is he? He's Johnny on the fucking spot. He bangs in the rebound because it was a purposely set rebound. And that's he's exactly doing, why he do, he's doing what rocket Richard winners do. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> well, well, but, but at the same time, he recognized that that smart play from hall and who does he point to right after he scores, right? To right, right. To Justin, because that was a, a, a brilliant play to, to shoot for the rebound there because absolutely he, he knew that he's not going to be priced. And that's the thing. That's the way to beat Carey Price is to know that you're not going to beat him head on. You're going to have to get a greaser. You got to make him work. It's got to be a rebound. It's got to be a crazy, even crazy passing plays. He's probably still going to stop. So it's got to be a rebound. Show that last game with Marner and Nylander. Exactly. Exactly. My point. So like even on nice passing plays, he's still, he thinks the game so well that he's going to be there to make that stop. So, what it's going to take to beat Carey Price is to get these greasy goals, to get the ones by the net, the the quick rebounds, and, and you know having bodies in front of the net, the backdoor goals. Those are the ones that are going to beat Carey Price because he has no time to react to those because it's an instant thing that happens. Like, but so- I, but I also think that like by getting those greasy goals, you open up the possibility for getting the nice ones. Well, you got to break start, his confidence, right? Exactly, you start to chip away at his confidence. Like last game, he was sitting there like he was the fucking invincible. Like we need to break him. <laughs> exactly. We need to break him. It's what we did in the regular season. Every time we faced Carey Price in the regular season, we scored early and often and broke him. We that's exactly what you need to do with him. Because like Carey Price, if you don't break him early, he will stop everything. We've you seen can't, we, you can't we saw let that in the Olympics get going. Like we saw that in the 2014 Olympics, 24 it was a 2014 Russia, Sochi, right? Yeah, yeah, we saw that in 2014 Olympics. Like literally, the guy let in like four goals the whole tournament. Like if you let him get into a groove, he will stop everything. So you need to get on him early and often, dirty, greasy goals. And as soon as you get a couple of greasers. The nice ones become that much more available. Yeah, but that's the thing. So everything for goaltending is confidence. 
And if you can break Price's confidence, you can beat Carey Price. It's as simple as that. But Absolutely. if you let him get going, he can steal the series. So that's the one thing the Leafs got to know. And it's exactly what you just said, right? Like you got to get on him early and often and, and you got to beat him to the punch, you know? Like you got... he's, a, he's a strong mental game too. Like one goal is not going to do it. No. Like you need to beat him multiple times to get him to start second guessing himself. Because if you're only beating him once, he's just like, he is like, he's, he's a top tier goalie, short term memory. Like it's going across it. That's going over his head. But if you get two, three, four, now he's starting to think. Now we're getting in his head. Now he'll start making secondary decisions. Maybe now he's not challenging as hard. And now those other passing plays become that much more available to you and are that much more likely to go in the net because he's no longer playing as aggressive or as top of his game as he would be without those goals going in. Yeah, it, it, exactly. You need, you, like you said, you, you need to break him and you need to break down his confidence because that's, that's a goaltender's bread and butter is their conf- confidence. If they have any doubt in themselves, they're, they're going to let a couple by. And you know, what's a great way to break a goalie's confidence is having our guy Rasmus Sandin scores first ever Stanley Cup playoff goal with a, a bomb. Oh, with man. a bomb, an absolute bomb. Ninety eight point five miles an hour for the kid. Damn, kid almost Damn. put up a hundred. He's is he's a fucking rookie. People, he's a rookie and almost put up a hundred miles per hour. Dude, when I heard that Let's the go. actual speed of that shot, I was like, holy shit. Kids what got a fucking a bomb. Fuck, right? Like an absolute bomb. Who the fuck saw that coming? And oh, can we please, please let's get into this challenge. <laughs> <laughs> the I, worst challenge I, I tweeted I've ever seen. Too. Like I've ever, never, I've, yeah, like I, like, I don't know how Habs fans feel about this. I'm assuming it's the same as we do, but like that that yep. challenge that was the worst that, challenge. That, ever. that challenge is on Mark Bergevin. You could tell that he was like hard, like he had a hard on for that fucking challenge and yeah. immediately called for it. And you should fire him for that because that was the least challengeable play. That was the worst case I've ever seen for a potential goaltender ear interference that I've ever seen. I've seen worse cases of interference in minor hockey. Tell me you're salty about a goal without telling me that you're salty <laughs> about a goal. <laughs> like it didn't make any sense. Like no one was in the blue crease. No one touched oh. Carey Price. You're talking about Joe Thornton. Literally, stick, slightly, might slightly, have brushed him maybe touching, <laughs> not even touching him, maybe slightly touching his stick. <laughs> You're talking about Joe Thornton brushing Carey Price's stick, and you just put your team at a disadvantage by challenging that goal, which has no chance of coming back. No, no like, chance. But then now again, giving you, leaves another power play. Like, you what know, are you, you doing? You say that's on Bergeron, and I get it because of the replay where he's just, you know, pointing at it like, oh, well, he touched him. But at the same time, 
the final call comes to Ducharme. Yeah, but you have a you have a like a burning hate for Ducharme. So, right, that's like, I think that's irrelevant. Little, no, I don't think it is relevant. I think you're a little bit biased because this is giving you an opportunity to just fucking throw him, just dig his grave a little bit, you know? Okay, well, he kind of earns it every fucking time. <laughs> man. I don't. I'm, I'm not saying he's good, but I'm. I like. I've been saying for years that one of the biggest problems in Montreal is Mark Bergerman. The guy's not a good GM. Your okay. team is not properly built to win a Stanley Cup championship. And the that and the fact that he makes illogical decisions like that, and he was very very adamant that that was a goaltender interference, where you could tell that Ducharme was very uncertain about it. Well, here's the thing, and when your boss I'm, comes down and is like, "You need to challenge that," especially when you're an interim head coach, man, it's not like you have any job security at all. You could get fired at the end of the at the end of the season, anyways. Like you, he could win this series and still lose his job, and your boss comes down and says you have to challenge that. You're gonna fucking challenge it, man. But here's what I'm looking at at face value is job description. At first, that is on the video coach, which every NHL team has. True. So that's who make should make the first call. The GM should not be involved in this decision whatsoever. I agree. For any team. I agree. I agree that Bergevin was involved in this just based on his reaction. Obviously, we're just assuming based on what we saw. We don't know any of this for actual fact. But when I'm looking at it at face value, a job description, it goes to the video coach and then it goes to the head coach to make the ultimate decision. The video coach will say, hey, here's what I saw. And they'll send them the clip. This is what I, I think of this. This is why you should challenge it. I think the video coach said, yeah, you shouldn't challenge that. And Dominic Ducharme was probably like, yeah, we probably shouldn't challenge that. And then Mark Bergevin's like, yeah, we should challenge that. And then fucking Ducharme decided to tuck his dick between his legs and challenge the dumbest fucking challenge I've ever seen ever. Like that, there was a 0% chance of that being overturned. Like if, if that call got overturned, I'd almost stop, stop watching. I, I would. Yeah. Like, uh, there would be outrage because th- there was no Nothing. ground, no, like no, not no even, not even a hope. Like, <laughs> like that, was, that, like, like I said, that was the worst case I've ever seen for someone trying to overturn a goal the based worst. off of goalie the interference. Absolute worst. Yeah, that's like you that's had a thing. better chance of challenging that for offside than challenging that for goalie interference. Like it didn't make it. You had a better chance of challenging that for a high stick. Than you did for that being a goalie interference. Yeah, I mean, it, the call just wasn't that. It wasn't there. It, it was. It was never there. It was bewildering. It was. It was honestly just. It was comical. Oh no! Kind of Oh no! Impressive to see somebody be that. Every, this this is the exact reason. So they they implement the penalty for delay of game for for people who do stupid ass challenges like this. Um, on my screen, you like cut out for all of that. So okay, I you, I didn't hear any of that. 
Okay, well, you, you did freeze, so I'll I'll repeat myself. Um, you know, it, it, every I think everybody in the building, or and everybody who watched that happen, knew that was not going to be a challengeable goal, but they went ahead and did it anyway. And this is the exact reason why they implemented the penalty for delay of game. It's for exactly scenarios like this, where they they have no business challenging that, but they do anyway. It is delay of game, and they that that was so avoidable. Like, why would you take that penalty? You basically said, "Yeah, give me give me the penalty." Yeah, let's please. That was literally like, let's put the Maple Leafs on power play because there was there was no chance that was coming back. No chance. No no chance. Like zero percent. And and to, to keep Rasmus Sandin waiting like that for his first playoff goal is just mean. Not cool. But a beauty of a goal, anyways. A, a fucking bomb. bomb. Love it. Assisted by Maddie. And uh just it was great to see. And like to see his smile on the bench afterwards and it yeah. got confirmed. You're just like, good for you, man. <laughs> Yeah, he earned it. Absolutely. I love the option of him on the power play. And that's the thing. We've said this so many times all year is that the Leafs have so many options on the back end with big shots, but they never use them. And now they use them and they score. Coincidence? I think not. And it's weird how, you know, you scored a shot with a point shot. And then you get another power play, and all of a sudden, other lanes are open up because you're like, oh, fuck. We can't let Rasmus Sandin shoot again. But then they forget that we have Austin Matthews. You got to put the the fear of God in each and every one of them for each and every player on your power play unit. If there's a threat that every single person can score, they're going to get scrambly. They're not going to know what to do. They're not going to be able to focus on one guy because – then if they focus all their effort on, on Matthews, then Marner or Sandine or Riley or Bill or whoever the fuck is a threat. And as soon as you make it known that they're a threat, they get uncomfortable real quick. I mean, it's short on that second power play goal. Before we get to that, we have to call out Engvall's massive hit on Shea Ooh, Weber. Just... And then drew a penalty right afterwards. <laughs> Fucking leveled him. Amazing. And, and then gets cross-checked. So good. A, a, lot of, a lot of the cross-checks going around, but that's it's, just playoffs. I, I, I guess, I, right? I, I'm honestly of the belief that Engvall listens to our pod because he's doing <laughs> He's he's literally he was not it. happy about being back to back duds. <laughs> not happy about being back to back duds, and now he's doing exactly what I fucking asked of him. It's like, dude, you are a six foot five human fucking giraffe. Hit everyone, dude. He is he's got the build for playoffs, right? He's but- huge, like, dude. I, I I and this might sound weird, but I wish he would just like look at Josh Anderson and be like, I could be him, but better. Because he's bigger. He's got the same hands, same type of skill, same type of speed. He's just not as fucking burly and gritty as, as Anderson. Like, tell me tell me that Anderson is that much better of a player than Pierre Engvall. Why do you love Josh Anderson? Because he throws lots of hits. He's gritty as fuck and he's got good hands. Yeah, I think a lot of it is just the, the consistency of it. 
whereas Josh Anderson's a consistent gritty player, and apparently Pierre Engvall can only be gritty in the playoffs after getting sat. I mean, I mean, I'm right? low, I'm low key okay with that. Be be gritty in the playoffs. That's where we need the most. So fucking do a little bit more of it. I love it. Keep doing what you're doing. You're earning your spot. And I called you my bud after you've been back to back duds because you earned it. He earned it. Man got sat, came back and scored a goal every single fucking time. <laughs> yeah. He he showed up in a big way. He might he must listen to the butts. He must. He must. He, he must. Because like the you don't guy, have that big of a bounce back for nothing, you know. Like the guy took everything we said about him to heart. Like he's been throwing the body, he's been going to the net, he's been making smart plays and just doing everything that we said that he could be and should be doing. So either someone at one of the coaches are listening to the buds and telling him instruction or he's listening, getting motivation. I don't care which of it is, but I fucking love it. And just keep doing it, ball, man, especially with JTO. We need you more than ever. So more games like what we saw tonight and we'll be just fine. We'll be just fine. Exactly. And man, we were gritty as fuck tonight. I I, I loved, loved it. it. Oh yeah. I mean, it was so much better than like I, I was it was really nice to see that at the end of the second period, the hits were only like 30 to 27. Yeah. Well, they were close. They were close. Sure, we were still getting out hit, but they were very close. Unlike the game, the game the other night. Where they were almost doubled up us on us on hits. Like I'm what what did we call out the other night? That all the, the bottom six guys were not doing anything as far as hits were concerned. Big then change tonight. We had a hit from Kerfee, you had three hits from Jason Spezza, you know, like you know, you had fucking Spezza, what a game. <laughs> like Thornton is listed at zero, but I swear he threw some hits. Felino's yeah, got, he, he definitely Fel, crunched Fel, some people. Felino's got two hits. have only listed at one, but I swear he had more than he that. He was throwing his body around more than I've ever seen. Yeah, like oh, I feel like I'm looking at the wrong game right now. I am. It's gonna right, say sense. All right, pulling up the right game because like Pit, pigeon. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. The NHL website is poorly laid out. Yeah, that's why you use like TSN or something. All right, so Zachary Hyman, five fucking hits, beast mode. Yeah, Alex, he was laying people out. Alex, Ker- Alex Kerfoot, four hits, boy. Jason Spezza, two hits. Austin Matthews, four. So that's five and four hits for Austin Matthews. Pierre Engvall, three fucking hits. Let's go, buddy. Let's go. Nick Felino, two. Nothing from Mikheyev, although he deserves more than zero. I don't know how he has zero. I swear to God, I stopped throwing hits. And Mikheyev Joe, definitely threw. And a Joe hits. Thornton's got four. Muzzin had five, and Bogo had one. So all the guys we called out last game for not fucking doing what they were brought in to do and be difference makers from a physical perspective, they all showed up tonight, and and I think that was a huge part of the game. We weren't getting bullied. Last game, we were getting bullied. These guys, they hit us every fucking chance they get. They got, and and they did it the whole game. But the difference is, if you're getting, somebody's running, taking runs at you, you take runs back. And they're going to stop taking runs because they don't want you to take runs back. 
as soon as you start hurting their players, you're like, oh, maybe we should ease off a bit, you know? And we didn't we didn't have any retaliation. We didn't have any pushback last game. And that is where tonight's game was so much different. Is that we, the boys came to play. We had some shit disturbers tonight. Like oh, Kerfoot, yeah. Kerfoot, Kerfoot was, was a such a little fucker a tonight. Pain I into Foley's it. ass. <laughs> oh man. I and I will take that trade all day. All day. Oh, yeah. Well, not to mention Simmons was absolutely vicious at the end there <laughs> he doesn't forget oh, what a he's, savage. Got, he's got a long memory man like he, re- he remembers every little thing that happens in a game and he's gonna tag you back sooner or later and he mm-hmm. did mm-hmm. well the last couple of things to touch on in this game you know bill with the power play goal huge An absolute after beauty. a fucking crazy po- another post by austin matthews playoff bill hits different Dude, the guy's got two points, two goals, two games. I, 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 I've worn his, I've worn his jersey both games, and he scored goals both games. I don't know how I cannot wear his jersey until he doesn't score anymore. Yeah, then you, so, then you got to switch it up. So it, it, I can tell you right now that Bill's coming out again for game three because man shows up it, like he's doing exactly and making everyone fucking eat their own shit that we're trying to say that he wasn't worth the money. Man, and. And then we had Kerfee getting Kurt. what he deserved. Got the fucking empty netter. Man, if anyone in this team deserved a goal tonight, it was Alex Kerfoot. The guy fucking busted his ass. He battled. Battled he a- so hard. And was just a fucking... He he had a bit of a ratty game. And I liked it. <laughs> we need one. <laughs> it, it's about- you know, I'm starting to realize that, you know, all these teams that have playoff success have a few guys who are absolute rats. But maybe you need that. Maybe that's what you need. I mean, the Bruins have Marshawn. The Capitals have Tom Wilson. The, you know, the, you know what the you know what the problem with the Leafs was before is that our rat was Mazum Kadri. He just he took it too far and couldn't get in the fucking game. <laughs> and, and now you know it's hilarious that we see it again for eight games. I know eight playoff games. If but it even it, gets to that, but it's also kind of crazy that like. We're talking about Naz being who was like our guy like that, and then he was traded for Kerfoot, who is now <laughs> filling that role. So I think I just think that's kind of ironic. <laughs> but, at this, but at the same time, you have guys like Simmons running around out there who he's good at pissing people off. Kerfoot is very good at pissing people off. Oh, I was talking about Simmons. Oh, well, he was pissing everyone off. Did I get cut out there? No, I think I just misheard you, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, S- Simmons was an absolute monster out there today. And he was pissing people off, left, right, and center. You could just and tell you could just tell that across the board the Habs were getting frustrated. Yeah. Like they 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 did not enjoy the game tonight at all. At all. How could you? You lost five one. I mean, I told I told you this earlier in the game. First of all, I called Matthew scoring. I said you did. To, I told you earlier, like Matthew will score tonight. But on the other side of the coin is that like you I last night or the other last game, that is the best that the Habs have got. They're not a good team. 
that loss we had, that is the best they can play. And we didn't even scrape the surface of what our team is capable of in that game. And even tonight, we played well, but that was not even close to as good as we can play. And that's what's terrifying about how good this team can be. Is well, if I we think- actually put it all together, no one can even fucking speak with us. Well, I think tonight was a huge stepping stone uh, in the sense that we got a lot of power plays for the first time in a long time. And, you know, we finally got to get over that hump of being shit on the power play. The power play actually showed up. So did it ever. So I think this this was a milestone game for, for that to show that, you know, Maybe you don't have to keep all, you know, sending it over to, to Matthews to do a one-timer to score. You have other options. I mean, considering that uh, both power play goals were not scored by Matthews, maybe we should not always give it to Matthews. Yeah. I mean, yes, I understand Matthews is disgusting, and we would like him shooting the puck at all times. But sometimes it's easier to let other people shoot the fucking puck so that people lay the fuck off of Matthews, so you give him more open shots. When you have more threats, you spread the fucking defense out, and you get more opportunities. Yeah, I mean, what I love about it is the more you don't pass to Matthews, the less they'll be expecting it when you do. Facts. So if you spend the the, the rest of the series even not like faking the Matthews and setting somebody else up and it works all of a sudden there's a lot less attention on Matthews because they start thinking that other guys can score. And then all of a sudden Matthews is free to feed it back to him. And you keep that cycle going to keep them guessing. And that's the beauty of the power play. And that's the beauty of the Leafs right now. And it's baffling that they haven't been capitalizing on it this whole time. <laughs> well, we would say it, it didn't make any sense. It None. didn't make any sense how bad this team was, how bad this power play was with how good, how talented the team was. So it was only a matter of time before they started clicking. Yeah. But I think Love it's time it. for us to get to our buds or duds of the game. Let's do it. You start us off. All right. Let's start with the duds. Get her out of the way. And I got to tell you, picking a dud for this game is not easy. No, I'm still thinking of one. Not not an easy task. Not an easy task. And I don't know. I like, I want to give it to Dominique Ducharme. (laughs) (laughs) But like, I can't. No. (laughs) Um, He's uh, the dud of the Habs. (laughs) <laughs> was he ever uh i gotta give it i'm gonna give it to riley okay why uh, not for anything super in particular but i think it's just like he leaves me wanting more yeah i can feel that like like he just he's been doing little things but his overall game right now is just has left me wanting more. And I don't know how else to describe it. And like, it's not like I'm hating the way he's playing either. And like this, it's obviously difficult to pick a bod where we win five, one, but but, 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 dad, 
yeah but yeah my dad is gonna be gonna be roused because uh wasn't his best game tonight i think we got carried by other people and he just leaves me wanting more so you know fair enough my dud uh, is also going to be a defenseman it's going to be jake muzzin interesting how come yeah i think it's a similar reason where he left me wanting more you know not that he had a bad game by any means i don't think many i I can't think of anybody who really had a bad game well that's the tough part right yeah but i don't think he had a particularly good game and i think that he was middling yeah, and I expect a little more aggression out of him, especially in playoffs. And yeah. I'd like, and I'd like to see him jump up in the offensive zone a little bit more because it's great to see Hall doing it. That's his D partner, and I get you have to cover for him when he does that. But it would be nice to see Muzz jump up in there as well because we all know that he has a lethal shot, and. I'd just like to see a little bit more out of him. Maybe that involves putting him on the power play. I, I wouldn't mind that. I think that would be a good option. I've always thought he's had a bomb of a shot. He's, I mean, it's been known since he was in LA, right? So, yeah. yeah I, I, I thought it was interesting that, like, uh, I think TJ Brody and Justin Hall both thoroughly outplayed their defense partners. And, yeah. I, th- is- I, I'd throw Sandine in there as well. Yeah, but, I'm like, but that's less of a fair comparison. Yeah, but I think as far as that top four is concerned, like that's not what you'd expect in those circumstances. Like you kind of expect Riley to outplay Brody and Mustin to outplay Hall, and it has been flipped. So that's kind of where our challenge for those comments. Just like it's time for our big. These boys are the veteran, the veteran guys to take a step forward. Exactly, you lead the way rather than follow. Yep. All right. Who is? I guess it's my turn. So, <laughs> fuck. Who's your bud? <laughs> Who's my bud? Bud. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Bill Nye. Guy just All keeps right. on trucking. Back to back buds. Back to back. Man, like, guy scores goals. He is a little gritty. Obviously, the first goal was a little fucky with his line being kind of all over the place. Um, but I think overall he had a really solid game. He's still, you know, getting into the dirty areas. Really awesome to snipe on the power play tonight, following up on the Matthews post. I've just I've really liked his game. So can't argue with that, man. Bill Nye. He he's been play play like I said earlier, playoff Bill hits different. But you know what? For my bud. It's got to be Rasmus Sandine. The Sandman. Enter Sandman. And you know what's funny is on the BODS account on Instagram, the NHL posted a just a generic playoff post. Like, who do you, which, like, um, which player do you think will make the most impact on their team? Or, like, would the, which unlikely player would make the biggest impact on their team in the playoffs? And I responded on the BODS account, and I'm just like, Rasmus Sandin. And that was before the series even started. Mm. And then he shows up and lets this bomb go, and I'm just like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, he's a fucking impact player. Let's go. What a bomb. First playoff goal in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And, you know, I, I... 
You love to see that huge step and a big moment for the guy. And I loved how uh, Thornton really embraced him after. And, and he, I think Thornton especially knew that this was a big deal for, for Rasmus and made a point to, to Selly with him, even though, you know, they had to delay their Selly a little bit with the whole challenge, the dumbass fucking challenge. But that like, that's what this team has been missing is, like a guy who's got that much poise at such a young age and has that much skill. And also, as we've seen, has that much power. The guy can hit, he can shoot, he can do it all. 98.5 miles an hour, people. That, that's a bomb. The man almost hit 100 miles per hour. That's fucked. That's crazy fast. There's very few people in the league who hit over 100 miles. Pretty per sure hour. Chara's record was like 108 or 106 or something. 108, like that. 108, 6, yeah. And then I think Char, I think Weber's record was like 1065 or something like that, or 1081 or something like that. Yeah, but here's the thing: like that means you're shooting up there with some of the best in the some of the best of the best, right? Like it's nothing to snuff at. So he's absolutely, absolute, absolutely my Killed butt of the game. Love it, love it. Love it. All right. Well, we will see you all back here for, for game, game three. number three. Let's fucking go in Montreal. And we got back to back, back to back, Monday and Tuesday, back to back Epis in Montreal. And I'm curious, will we see Frederick Anderson? I guess we'll find out. But don't you ever, ever forget. Because I know we got a little down on ourselves after that first game. It was tough. It was a tough game. But we never forget here on the Buds. Never. Go Leafs. Go.